0: This podcast contains adult language.
1: This is the waves.
0: This is the waves. This
1: is the waves. This is the waves. This is the waves. Welcome to The Waves, your one and only source on the scandalous lives of Manhattan elite and gender and feminism. Every episode, you get a new pair of feminists to talk about the thing we can't get off our minds. And today, you've got me, June Thomas, Senior Managing Producer of the Slate Podcast Network and one of the hosts of Working.
0: And me, I'm Willa Paskin, I'm Slate's TV critic, and I'm also the host of the podcast, Decoder Ring.
1: This week, we'll be talking about Gossip Girl, which is back after nine years away Obviously, The Waves is in no position to complain about reboots, but a lot of things have changed in the world over those nine years, some of which are reflected in the new show, which is now on HBO Max, where you can show asses and say fuck rather than on The CW, where you can't. Some of the big changes in American society in the show are about power as it plays out around gender, race and who's really in charge. And the new Gossip Girl has not been particularly well-reviewed, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I really like this version. One of the things that I like is that it has become a workplace show. As a million blog posts have noted, this time around, the identity of Gossip Girl was revealed not in the final episode after six or seven seasons or whatever it was in the first time around, but in the very first episode. And it is... A cabal of overworked, underpaid, totally powerless teachers. And sure, sure, why would they bother? But what else can they do? It actually feels like pretty good social commentary. It's of a piece with the unionization drives across the creative industries. These young, pretty smart people can't win by following the old rules. They were supposed to be the authority figures with power over the lives of their pupils. But there's absolutely no doubt that the rich kids are in charge now. So why not take advantage of the casual surveillance? We are all completely surrounded by at all times and try to balance the scales. Willa, do you like it? And which aspect of the new Gossip Girl has you all revved up? (laughs) Well, you know, it's so interesting about this show because I think if I was just like, if I was just to come across
0: it, I think I might enjoy it. Like it has a lot of stuff that's similar to the original. It's, um know, very quippy. Everyone's very beautiful. It's in New York City. There's a lot of drama. But <laughs> I think like I'm, you know, in in the lead up to sort of it coming out, there was a lot of conversation about how it was going to be so much a woker than the original. And a, a lot of people sort of got huffy like in a God can our miserable, awful rich people just stay miserable and awful and rich. And I think it's really interesting the way that wokeness is actually reflected in the show, which on the one hand, it is much more diverse and much queerer but I think there's also been this sort of like seeping effect, like sort of lateral wokeness, which is that it's basically much nicer
1: and I think that that is really a problem for a show like Gossip Girl Absolutely, and quite right too We'll be back to talk about the racial and sexual dynamics of the new Gossip Girl and all the beautiful rich people after this
0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavoured Snapple near you.
1: Let's talk about some of these big updates. So instead of Blair and Serena, two insanely rich white Manhattanites, now the main characters are Julian and Zoya, who are black and are half-sisters, Julian is an insanely rich Manhattanite who, even more crucially, is also an absolutely top tier social media influencer. You know, the kind who gets sent like designer clothes and accessories on a daily basis and who walks in fashion shows on a school night, even though she's a high school junior. And Zoya is brand new in the big city. She's just moved from Buffalo with her half sister's help even though their fathers know nothing about their collusion together. So what difference does it make, do you think, Willa, that these central characters are Black? I am not sure that it makes quite a
0: big difference through the first four episodes that I had seen. I mean, I think, like, it's great to signal that it's not just, like, all white people, but I don't, their race is not very meaningful way, I don't think, come to the fore. Like, even, even as Zoya has sort of been abused and teased by her peers it does not quite have like a racist overtone to it to me it's almost like what it actually means is on the half of the writers which is that So not to get too deep into the Gossip Girl weeds, but the original (laughs) for the people who actually (laughs) watched it. it, like the original has this sort of, you know, it's this battle royale, like, you know, this frenemy love ship between these two characters of Blair and Serena and Serena, who's played by Blake Lively and Blair, who is played by Leighton Meester, like Leighton Meester walked away with that show. Blair's the reason that show worked. And Blair was really Mean sometimes. She was sort of like so controlling, type A, like queen, even though she was called the queen bee. And you sort of loved her, even though she was like constantly making mistakes. It was just such a perfect example of like, it's better to be interesting than to be good, sort of, as like the, what you really want in a TV show. And I think the mistake the show is making, and I don't know that this is totally ineradicable from them being played by black women and at a moment that it feels like, you know, the people writing the show want to promote and like make them look really good essentially. That you can that that for that show to work, those characters actually need to be awful. And it feels like the show doesn't wanna make them awful. It doesn't want like Zoya's not supposed to be awful. She's a goody two shoes, but Julian just needs to be a smidge batter for her to be like a smidge more lovable. That to me is almost where where we are with like empathy and sympathy and like strong female characters, like is kind of making the show a mess. Like it sort of thinks everyone has to be like idealistic and role modely. And you're like, I don't know, I think they could just be bitchier and it would be more fun.
1: I need to know a bit more about your views on strong female characters, because it sure seems like strong female character, isn't that something we all want more of? But it sounds like you think that it can kind of tend towards blundness on television. Yeah, I mean, mean, this is not my
0: thinking about this. There's like sort of second order thoughts that like, you know, we do want more strong female characters, but then strong female character also becomes this trap, right? Because you just have to be like a superhero and actually all the interesting stuff comes when you just get to be a person who's weak and a mess and makes mistakes. (laughs) Um, And I think that there's a little bit of strong female character-itis in this. I mean, Julian is, does a lot of unpleasant things, but she is actually like a nice person in her heart.
1: And... The show doesn't need that to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it almost seems, too, that her social media success is a problem. Because, again, I don't know if they want us to do a full comparison show one to show two. But Blair, she was always, like, questing, questing. She, You know, yes, she had a certain success that would be very hard to be taken away. But there was something that she was heading for. And what exactly more could could julian have she's got this social media influencer life that apparently is the one that is most sought after now and so what what could go wrong and then they make it like she had that what she really
0: needs is a lame boyfriend and you're just like yeah that's not yeah. what she needs like even she Mm-mm. wouldn't think that's what she needs that's also such a weird message to be sending about your like go girl character that
1: like no one cares yeah. about
0: her very nice boyfriend. I don't buy it for one second. No,
1: And especially the one that, uh, the way that they kind of created that boyfriend is the most boring person (laughs) on this earth. Well, it's also like, it's like, this is, I'll get into the weeds, but
0: this sort of of do-gooder character in the first show is this kid, Dan Humphrey, who was like a middle-class kid sort of pressing his face up to the glass. But he was always sort of so noxious because he was, as much as he said he wasn't, he was just like genuinely resentful and he wanted in and... That made him interesting, and they've turned that character now into a really rich person. And if that character doesn't have this noxious wanting in, he's not interesting, you know. Like they all, basically on Gossip Girl, there's supposed to be something vile about you, and that's what makes you interesting and likable ultimately. And they kind of have just like everyone's less vile.
1: Well, there's one vile creature who is fantastic. The new Chuck Bass is this very rich, very loose, young, pansexual guy called Max Wolf who has two dads, and an apparently unquenchable thirst for sex, drugs, and shit-stirring. And that felt like the biggest and most necessary update. I don't remember any queer or gender nonconforming main characters in the original Gossip Girl. And that couldn't possibly stand in 2021, right? No, this is a great development. I mean,
0: on a soap opera, all you want is, like, the most people to be able to make out, like just for the long-term health of the show. And this is just like mathematically brilliant as opposed to being progressive
1: and welcome. So for me, the biggest disappointment of the new Gossip Girl is the complete failure to build any, I mean, any interesting romantic tension. Like all of the relationships are as boring as like a cup of cold tea. There's Audrey and Aki who like effectively and maybe even, in fact, are, like, a boring married couple. Like, they sleep together perfectly openly. They've been together forever. Max says they're already suffering from lesbian bed death. Julian and Obi eventually become Zoya and Obi, like, really early on, so it's not even a spoiler. And there's just no one to ship for. Like... I don't think that's about the new wokeness. It's not about the fact that they now ask for consent. That actually feels pretty good. And it's not really about them not being allowed to have any kind of bullying, which was a key part of the original version. It's just that they didn't manage to make any characters who have any chemistry together, right? But this is
0: the same thing. It's just like everything is too nice. (laughs) Like, you know, these couples are like very nice. That's like not what makes interesting romances you know like they have no conflicts basically they have no hurdles like the only one is between max and um you know he's becomes fixated on a teacher which is like sort of unseemly but like at least slightly more interesting for a while than some it's just it's very like it's just for a show that is sort of about like excess and about kind of genuinely like the bad behavior and super privilege of a exalted class of new yorkers it's kind of just like being in very insistent that they're like secretly lovely people. And I'm sure they, maybe they are, but that's like not a TV show.
1: (laughs) No, no. And it's not what we want from our rich people. You know what I'm kind of craving are more just poor people. I mean, I don't know if they will ever be truly poor people in Gossip Girl. In the original, we had Dorota Blair's maid, complete with French maid uniform. And, you know, having to do Blair's bidding 24 seven, quite beyond the call of duty. In this show, the only poor people are the teachers. And actually, we do have something to say about the teachers because they do have much more of a role in this version of the show. And we'll get to them after this break. But if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear more from Willa and me, on another topic, check out our Slate Plus segment, Gateway Feminism, where today, Willa and I will talk about one thing that helped make us feminists. I'll be talking about Billie Jean King. And Willa, what are you going to be talking about? The movie The Philadelphia Story and the character Tracy Lords, who is
0: not a porn star, but maybe is where the porn star took her name from. So thank you. Hello, followers. Gossip Girl here. Your one and only source for the truth behind the scandalous lies of New York's
1: elite. Been a minute. Did you miss me? I know I've missed you. I do want to get to the teachers. But first, there are two characters who are genuinely fascinating. Whenever they're on screen, I just want to look at them. I just want to hear them. They've got some great quips. They have all the meanness that you're looking for, Willa but they're positioned as secondary characters. Blair had her minions who were kind of, I guess they did have names, but you had to watch for several seasons before you ever knew what they were. Now, Julian has minions, but they don't function that way, but I don't really know exactly how they're supposed to function. But Monet and Luna, they are fantastic. They're funny, they're mean, they're scheming, they're incredibly smart. So why are they, like, serving Julian? Like, they don't have to be her worker bees, but they kind of are doing that. Blair's minions were doing it because she was bullying them. But there's really no reason for these super interesting women to be serving this kind of bland boring nobody.
0: I do agree with you. And I actually think that as the show goes on, there's just no way they don't become more central. I mean, they would probably because they're just, they're like fully on, on the cast and they haven't had that much to do, but also because they just are so much more, they just want things and it's interesting. You know, the show has like a hilariously like aristocratic worldview, um, like not for the Royal family, obviously, but for like extremely rich people. And it's, it's almost more overt in this one because Julian is famous because her father is a rock star so it's intimated over the course of the four episodes it's in passing that she essentially as a younger kid as like a 10 and 11 year old did all these like very it seems like adorable and knowing interviews with famous rock stars that her father had given her entree to and that's sort of like why she has this platform that perhaps a Monet and a Luna don't have even though presumably otherwise they could accomplish all the other things that she does since they're also gorgeous and rich and privileged and entitled and it's just like, it's a weird thing about that show for all of its, um, you know, it just really like likes rich people or like it likes, it likes famous people. Like it just likes all those shiny things. And it sort of actually thinks like there's some ineffable quality that you must have to like get that stuff,
1: you know? Yeah, no, I mean, we can talk about something specific in episode three, which, you know, won't air for another week, but it's been mentioned in a lot of reviews. Soya gets to go to the opening night of a new Jeremy O. Harris play. And, you know, she's confronting someone about her view of theatre, and she gets to have a conversation with him. They get to go and discuss his work. And she, her views come from her own head, come from her own experiences and her own thinking – but she would not have that opportunity if she didn't happen to be at this amazing social event. And it wasn't only that she was at the premiere, she also was at the after party. Like, of course, everything about this show, Zoya, I guess, is supposed to be the entry character. But she still is doing things that are completely off normal people's radar and, and really can't ever change. And she always gets to be, when, when she goes to these special places, you know, with entree provided by her half-sister or her sister, she's in these amazing clothes that, again, normal people have zero access to. And, of course, they always fit her and so on and so forth. But this show has never been realistic. But it, there is a problem of, like, the entry character. No one believes in any way that any of this could happen to them. It's just impossible. Totally.
0: And also, it's very like, um, it's sort of very pro-influencer in a kind of interesting way where it's yeah. sort of like, I think it's it's sort of the baseline supposition is actually, it's like, and this may be true, but it's like that it's very hard to be that person and you actually have to have a lot of charisma and a lot of like ineffable, maybe like, wealth and our family connections, but that like Julian is really special. And that's why like a Monet and a Luna can't just be Julian, even though I think actually like in the casting of the show, they got that wrong. They <laughs> want <laughs> You yes. know, like you could yes. imagine them of giving her minions where you'd be like, yes, you're, you seem like you're not going to just be hugely famous on Instagram because you just like you're not the most beautiful person in the world or you're shy or like, you know, you currently have braces because you're in 10th grade or whatever it is. And like those characters don't have it. So it's like, why are they, you know, why do they feel like they're osmotically getting power from this other characters like social media influencerness?
1: Yeah, well, talk, speaking of social media influencerness, the teachers... As we've mentioned, and as as, it's a thing that really seems to be what people are freaked out about, even though, I don't know, it just really doesn't seem either all that crazy to me or or particularly surprising. It is, in fact, the teachers who are gossip-girling and are gathering all this information, and I do really appreciate that they acknowledge that this is really hard. Not only you have to kind of stay on top of things, you know, of all the gossip of, you know, you've got to keep looking at all the tips you've got, but also the voice, you know, you have to really seek out that voice. And the, the kind of the main gossip girl teacher, even though it is a group of them, is played, what a delicious troll. This old hag of a teacher who's supposed to be, I suppose, in, you know, she's supposed to seem so much old, a different generation from uh, the pupils at the school is played by Tavi Gevinson, who famously had incredible success from her own work and a little bit of connections when she was very young and who then went on to, you know, create Rookie and so on. But Playing this teacher and uh, aspiring writer, you know, she says that Gossip Girl's voice, it's like as if E.M. Foster got roofied by Dorothy Parker and Jacqueline Suzanne, which is one of the great lines, which I really like about this Gossip Girl. But also, like, they show it as being work, but they also kind of enjoy
0: it. Just as for the teachers, like, I'm excited they're there because I wish that they were there and the parents weren't. Like, there's still so many parents on Gossip Girl and they just... Ugh! With the parents, it's played by all these like very good actors, like Laura Benanti and like Luke Kirby, and I just don't want to see them They're I just I don't. It's just very awkward. It's always awkward. It's like they always try to make them kind of cool, and I just I would just be rather happier with the teachers.
1: There's another weird thing with the parents, which is that yeah, I know I've we've only seen four episodes, but so far at least the only parent of color that we've seen is Zoya's dad. Like all of the other parents who've been seen, even though we've got all these kids of color, we've only seen white parents. And that feels like a real failing of the show. It's like, wait, are we actually showing characters of color? I mean, like you can always tell when you've not really created a character of color, but actually it's a white person who's been cast as a person of color when they don't have any other friends or family members Who are people of color? Like, you know, if you only have one, that doesn't count. And it kind of feels that way with the parents, at least in the first four episodes. Yeah, I know what you mean. Although we
0: just like the world hasn't been built out. On the other hand, and I don't like I think you're right. And also I just but I don't want to see more parents. Yeah. So it's like a right. conflict. Yeah. Right, <laughs> um, right.
1: Don't wish for that.
0: <laughs> yes. No, the teachers. Like, I kind of think the teachers is a really hilarious troll of all the viewers because gossip, a show like Gossip Girl is really not made to be watched by teens. It's always like, you know, we all, I think it's, I think in some ways it literally is too sophisticated. Like, not sophisticated, like they won't understand it. It's just like so not real that I think if you're an actual teenager, you're just like, why is it the show about like 30 year olds kind of? And and so <laughs> exactly. it, um, It's always been for people that are sort of not in high school. (laughs) So it's funny to like have have that sort of be explicit where like the engine of the show is like these people who should not be obsessed by high schoolers, like, you know, obsessing about these high schoolers and writing about them and doing all these unethical things. And I think this is sort of where the show has sort of set itself actually a trap just along the lines of exactly what I was saying at the beginning, which is sort of because it's refusing to let its teen characters who are the major characters be awful. Maybe because it's just like in the throes of trying to be nice or because it's cast to black women and they don't want to make them awful or whatever is going on. It sort of left Tavi, Tavi's character to, even though she's definitely not awful in the beginning, like you can just see the road for her because she's already starting to make a lot of unethical decisions. I mean, it's very inappropriate for a teacher to be inserting herself in her students' lives in ways that's actually really bad for them. And you can see them all like they, they start to do unethical things.
1: The only time I felt more gross than standing here showing you these is the moment that I took them to show you I should
0: be arrested. They were standing in front of a window. Anyone could have seen them. Anyone didn't. I did. You won't use
1: these, right? I don't want to. But... We're either in this or we're not
0: it's very easy to imagine a version of the show where she her character gets larger and larger as like just the antagonist and becomes kind of the most interesting person on the show because she's the person who has the most like real tortured decisions to make and i want them to avoid that i don't want to care more about the teachers than the students but that means you have to give the students like interesting stuff to do that's as like fraught as her stuff
1: yeah yeah that's very true What do you like about the show, if anything? I really do like Monet and Luna.
0: I think they're funny. Mm -hmm. I think that's funny. I mean, it's like always kind of, you know, it's like very frothy and like quippy. And there are these very sort of I mean, I don't know if they're famous because, again, I don't know how large Gossip Girl's audience was, but I worked at New York Magazine's Vulture when um, Gossip Girl was running, and there are these very awesome and excellent and definitely in the world of Gossip Girl famous recaps that were done by um, Jessica Pressler and Chris Rouser, who, you know, New York Magazine had sort of been involved very much in sort of like the hype for that show, and the recaps were always incredibly well-read, and I feel like you can tell that the show is still being written for them in that it just does this like profligate name-dropping of like, locations. Also, they don't all live on the Upper East Side anymore. They live all over Brooklyn and fancy places. So they'll like drop just like donut stores in like Clinton Hill. Like it just there's like real detailed things that are like are for eagle eyed recappers that I honestly like I'm not catching them all, but amuse me like almost amuse me in a meta way where I find it sort of excruciating. Like does it if a tree falls in a forest, but you aren't being recapped by New York
1: Magazine as you would like, like, did it really happen? But I I kind of enjoy that. I love that myself. Unlike you, I did not grow up in New York, although I live here now. And I still find, I I love the glamour of Gossip Girl. Like, it is kind of aspirational. Like, they tell me what their cool restaurants are. They they tell me, you know, what I'm supposed to do after the show or not to do. Um, I really, I still enjoy that. Like, I'm also obviously a totally basic bitch, but... I just love that. And, and no show has given me that thrill in the same way. I know sometimes uh, a show which I guess preceded it. I'm a little bit lost on the on the chronology. But, like, Sex and the City kind of did that. But Gossip Girl does it in a more relatable way for me, even though it is about incredibly rich people. And, yeah, the writing, I think, is good. I mean, one of the problems is now the show, being on HBO Max, is an hour. Like, literally an hour without any <laughs> ads And there is not an hour of content. There's maybe 44 minutes, probably. Like, if it was a half hour, a tight 30, that would be amazing. It's too long. I wish they would just, like, trim the stuff that's dull out of it. Um, But it's, it's, I just, I was so happy to be watching it.
0: I really do just find its class politics totally mystifying in a way that is really interesting. But, like, Sex and the City, like, knew what it was doing. Like it was aspirational and Gossip Girl is just in this hilarious middle zone. And the things that Josh Saffron, who is the guy who is a showrunner now and he'd worked on the first one, has said about it, sort of the things that sort of launched this like, uh, you know, hand wringing that Gossip Girl would ugh, be woke, you know, like I just don't understand. I sometimes I'm just confused about what he thinks he's doing sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, I agree with you completely, Willa, that it is not for kids or for teens. It's for people who like watching shows about teens. But it cannot be aspirational because we cannot do the things <laughs> that teenagers do. I mean, we, well, that's the most aspirational of all, isn't it? Just to be young. Like
0: that's really what everyone's just trying to do all the time. I think that yeah. I I mean that might be it. I just. Yeah, it's very it's it still has like I do find that it still has like some essential funness to it. But I want it to have more. And I just I think it could get there with just like a little twist of some of those characters. Just like make it Luna and Monet's or just like turn the other ones bad. Let's just do it.
1: Luna, Monet and Max. Yeah. Go on a road trip <laughs> exactly. somewhere. Um, so will you keep watching? Uh, <laughs>
0: if I was a civilian, I might. Let's put it that way. If that that means if it was not my job to keep watching TV and my I I and I don't have that much time to watch TV, but I think if I was just choosing, I might I might.
1: I think I will, and it's and I think there might be an element of nostalgia to that. I think Gossip Girl is the last show that I can remember that I just was appointment television just for fun. Like I wasn't watching it because I had to write about it. I just it was Monday night and Gossip Girl was on, so of course I was going to watch it, and I just kind of want to relive that weird time that now seems to be very much in the past in the streaming age. So I think I will carry on, but certainly not because it's woke. So before we head out, we want to get to some recommendations, Willa, what are you loving right now? Um,
0: there's this new TV show. It's also on HBO called The White Lotus. That's made by Mike White, who directed Chuck and Buck. And then sort of more famously, although for a sort of a niche audience, um, the Laura Dern show Enlightened that was on HBO and was canceled prematurely. And for the people who love it, like it was a real blow. It's set at a very like luxurious tropical island resort. And it sort of focuses on three groups of very rich people like a family that includes steve zahn and connie Britton and their two kids uh jennifer coolidge actually playing like a full human being for a change oh my goodness i know it's Whoa. a pretty good part for her jake lacy and alexandra daddario play a a newlywed couple and he is so good at being so awful and he's jake lacy's played a lot of string of really nice guys um in things like obvious child in the office and he's just so good at being vile and horrible like an enlightened band an entitled man baby really good and they sort of come into conflict with the staff and it's it's really interesting because i just reviewed it too and i didn't give it an entirely positive review but i think it's really fascinating show and like the first couple episodes you're just like ooh, this is kind of like succession on vacation like there's it has (laughs) that like chewiness of like social interaction where like it's really easy to like in a good way like to just really think about it like where is everyone coming from? And like, what is the power dynamic here? And like, it's awkward. It's like on the border of cringe. And then there's also like beautiful swimming pools. And like, it's just sort of like that world of like frothy rich people. And then there's sort of like this upstairs, downstairs element, although the downstairs element is like a little underdeveloped. But I thought it was like, I thought it was interesting. And I, if I didn't totally land <laughs> the ship, I thought it was like touching on some really interesting things. And the, and the first couple episodes, like before you sort of realize where it's headed, were really good. And I, I would recommend it. I think it's, I think it's a good show.
1: Well, I thank you because I had been thinking about watching it, but I wasn't sure. But now I definitely will. I want to recommend also a show on HBO Max. So uh, promise not coordinating. I'm uh, pay which, us <laughs> <laughs> if only, uh, which is legendary, which is a reality competition show set in the world of ball culture. You know, in this not ballroom dancing, but ballroom as in, uh, you know, the the queer families, the house of Versace and so on. It's just a good reality competition show. They do try and give you a little bit of background on the people who are competing, the people who are in the various houses and they are pretty much exclusively kind of tragic backstories, but they don't overplay that. It just kind of makes them real people instead of just kind of faceless competitors And the truth is that Ballroom was always about... It was made for a competition. Like, it's people dividing into houses, groups, led by mothers or fathers, and competing in categories. Like, it was always meant to be a competition show, and it really works as one. Some of the judges are really annoying, but some of them are divine, it's just a great fun show and uh, you will end up dancing. There's no doubt that you will try duck walking in your home when you watch this show. So Legendary on HBO Max. That's our show this week. The Waves is produced
0: by Shana Roth. Susan Matthews is our editorial director with June Thomas. That's
1: you providing oversight and moral support. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And please consider supporting the show by joining Slate Plus. Members get benefits like zero ads on any Slate podcasts, full access to all the articles on slate.com, and bonus content of shows like this one. You also get to hear Decoder Ring before non-members. It's only one dollar for the first month. To learn more, go to slate.com/thewavesplus. We'd also love to hear from you. Are you excited about the return of
0: Gossip Girl? Are June and I totally wrong about the show? Please email us at
1: thewaves@slate.com. The Waves will be back next week. Different hosts, different topic, same time and place. You know you love us. XOXO, The Waves.